go listen to the podcast. Alrighty. So today we're going to be talking about our identity in Christ. So what is an identity? How would you define an identity? The things you use to define yourself. Yeah. The things you use to define yourself. Like so you said, who you are. Who you are? Yeah. What like what makes up who you are? Like what are the things that like maybe make up your like who is Maddie Markland? Good question. Like, let me know. <laughs> yeah, it's it could be the things you're good at, the things that you like, the things you're passionate about. Yeah. So your identity is is just who you are. So other than Christ, because like all of us here pretty much have heard the saying, "Put your identity in Christ," and we're like, "Oh, I want to get better at putting my identity in Christ." What are the things in your life that you know you put your identity in that aren't exactly God? School. School. Work. Yeah. Work. Success. Being a mom. Other people's opinions. Yeah, that's a big one. Other people's opinions. Yeah, that's that's where that's where I'm at right now. Just mm-hmm. other people's opinions. So yeah, today we're going to be talking about what it means to have your identity in Christ. So we throw that around a lot. We're like, oh, I want to I want to just trust in my identity in Christ. I I put my identity in Christ. But do we actually like know what that means? Do we know like the depth of that and the riches of that, because the Bible has a lot to say about it. Um, and this is a bold statement. When you say that you identify with Jesus, you're basically saying, I, like, Jesus is my life. Like, he is all I identify with. He is my, he's like, you put your name tag on, like, when you go to a place, right? It says, like, hello, my name is Riley. You're saying hello. Like, you're, you're taking off your name and putting his name on you instead. Um, so as we get started, open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians 2. We're just going to be reading Ephesians 2, 1 through... Nine. Um, who would like to read Ephesians two one through nine for us? I can read it. Okay, thank you, Maddie. <clears throat> one through nine. Uh, yes, that'd be great. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all, pre- all previously lived among men in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And when we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive in Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You, were, you are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace due to his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and it is not from yourselves, it is God's gift. Not from works, so that no one can boast. Awesome. All right, so looking at this passage, it has a lot to say about who we are in Christ. So before, before you knew Christ, according to this passage, what were you? Dead. Dead. You were dead, lifeless, hopeless, completely not alive at all. That was your identity. Your identity was death because you were in sin. So our identity before Christ is death. But based on this passage, what what's our identity now? What what happened after Christ saved us? We are alive in him. Yeah. Yeah. So our identity is we're alive. We're alive in him because we are not 
we are not ourselves anymore. We have been saved by him. We take on his life. Our identity is in Christ. So we don't longer identify with death and the sin, but we identify with him and his righteousness. So one of the things I love about this passage is it tells us that we have been given immeasurable riches. That's what my passage, my um, version says. It says that we have not only been saved, but we have given been given immeasurable riches. And I, like when I read this, I'm like, are you like, are you kidding me? Like not only am I saved from my sin, and like kind of like made like okay before God, but I'm made righteous before God, and I'm also given like immeasurable riches. Um, so we deserve nothing. We don't even deserve to be saved. And then because our life is in Christ, we're given all these other things too that we don't deserve, but we just get because our identity is in Christ now. Um, so this is no minor thing. When you say you're, when we say my identity is in Christ, we're literally saying I was dead before Christ. I was, I was not breathing. I was a slave to my sin, but because of Christ, now he is my life. He is my everything. So your identity, when you place it in Christ, has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Jesus. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the immeasurable riches of identifying with Christ um, and also what that means for our life and the implications because it changes the way that we live. Um, so we have to look at how this works. And there, um, there are a lot of big theological words that go into like the process of being saved, and I don't really think those are necessary to go into today. But I broke it down into two simple things that will help us see how incredible salvation is and how exactly we become identified with Christ. So go ahead and turn with me to Colossians 3, 1 through 17. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. So Colossians 3, we're going to be reading 1 through 17. So the first step in, giving, in placing your identity in Christ is giving all you have to Jesus. Um, so keep that in mind, giving all you have to Jesus. Um, and then who would like to read Colossians 3, 1 through um, 11? Okay, great. And then who would like to read 12 through 17? Awesome. Right. Whenever you're ready, Andrew. Okay, first one. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died and your life is, I can't do it, I'm going to cry. I, I can read it for you. Okay. Yeah. Set your minds on things above, not on the things on this earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly to you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On the account, the wrath of God is coming. In these you two once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian or slave, or free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and... Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish, that's word, and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in 
all the names of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, the Father, through him. Awesome. All right, so that's kind of a big passage, but that's okay. We're going to break it down a little bit. Um, so this passage tells us that um, we have been raised with Christ. So if we've been raised with Christ, that means we had to die with Christ. Um, so when we give all we have to Jesus, we're basically dying to our sin. We're giving him our sin. And the day that Jesus died on the, died on the cross for us was the day that our sin, sins are nailed to the cross. So when we say that we were crucified with him, what does that mean? That's such a, I'm sure to like an unbeliever, they're like, what does that even mean? Like, how would you explain that to somebody that doesn't know? Sense. Yeah. Like just kind of say I bluntly, but mm -hmm. just like plain terms. Yeah. Yeah. Like if uh, the sin that we're living in, the, the fact that you don't trust in Jesus as your Savior, mm -hmm. when you do, that part of you will die. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll be given a new life, which is mm -hmm. so much more amazing. Yeah. So it means that the woman you were before Christ, or the, I guess if you're talking to a guy, the man that they were before Christ, that person doesn't exist anymore. They're gone. The, the girl who I was before I knew Jesus as my Savior, she doesn't exist anymore. Like, Jesus made me a new creation. The day that I decided to make Jesus my Savior, I gave my identity, what I thought my identity was, to, to him. And he nailed it to the cross, and he forgave me of all my sins, and gave me a new life. So, my identity is not Riley Jefferson. My identity is the fact that I'm a sinner saved by grace. Um, which is amazing, because I think back to all the terrible things I did, and like the sins that I... I let myself live in and those like don't exist anymore and I'm free of that and I'm forgiven of that and even the sin that I do now I am forgiven of um, and I don't deserve any of it and the same goes for you guys so the reason I love Colossians 3 so much is because it tells us that we are a new creation and there's something so so refreshing about just knowing that you are made new so if you've done something wrong and someone forgives you and they're like let's just start over let's have a clean slate most amazing feeling right that's who we are in Christ. We are a new creation. The old us, the old us that before Christ, they don't exist anymore. Um, so based on this passage, what what things are part of who we used to be? What's part of our old self? Starts in verse 5. Sexual immorality. Anything outside God's plan for sex? No. Evil desires, yeah. Anger. Rage. Anger and rage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, covetousness. Idolatry. In verse 6, it talks about how God brought us under the point of disobedience. Not being obedient. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, just living opposite of what God says. Yeah. Yeah, so all these all these things are just part of the old self. But these things still come up in our Christian lives today, right? Like, I know for me, I'm tempted to sometimes covet what other people have. Or I'm tempted um, to d fall into sin in a certain area. Um, 
it doesn't mean that that sin still reigns over me, that it's, I'm still a slave to it. It just means that I, I fight against it differently now because I'm a new creation. Um, so why do you think that we need to put away and put to death our old desires and habits? Because it says in verse 5, put to death. Why would God tell us to put to death the things that are, are not part of the new creation? They don't have a place there. Yeah. They shouldn't be there. Yeah. Yeah. They don't belong. Sorry. It's not a very complex answer. Yeah. No, I mean, it's the perfect answer. They don't belong there anymore. We're a new creation, and the new creation doesn't, it doesn't fall into sexual immorality. It doesn't um, get angry out of pride and arrogance. It doesn't um, covet what what its neighbor has. Um, The new creation is called to walk different. Um, and so that's why um, in, in the Gospels, Jesus says to die to yourself daily, to take up your cross daily and follow him. Because we have to die to ourselves daily, put to death these things daily, and recognize we're a new creation. Our identity is no longer in the things of this world, but our identity is in Christ. Um, so we, we look to this passage, we look to other passages and say, okay, today I'm going to choose to put to death what is part of the old creation and choose to follow my new life. Um, one of the things that we can think about is that Christ identified with our sin, right? So he, in order for us to take Christ's identity, he had to take our identity, right? So that's why he had to die on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he was identifying with the fact that we are sinners. And he was, he was taking that sin upon himself. Um, so the only reason we can identify with Jesus and his righteousness is because he identified with him, with us in, in our sin. Um, so you give your sin to him. That's all you can really offer to Jesus, right? Is your sin and your brokenness and your emptiness. And you say, okay, this is all I have to give to you. It's not that much. It's actually probably worse than nothing because it's sin. Um, and then he gives everything he has to you. He gives you his righteousness, his love, his peace, his comfort. Um, he takes off your dirty clothes of sin and he gives you robes of righteousness that you've never earned, but he just gives because he loves you. Um, so according to this passage, we are supposed to put to death all these things, but we're not supposed to just just let it be empty. We're supposed to do something. We're supposed to put on something else. So what are the things that we're, we're supposed to replace with our old... What are we supposed to replace with the things we're taking off? Can I... Uh, kind of like ask a question about yeah. the background deduction. Yeah. It was um, a few... I think it was in this passage. It was last... The week before last, that, that person that group... Um, they talked about like how Christ is disconnected from God, like as he's been ascending. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I may not be thinking about this right way. Um, when like Jesus was on the cross and he was bearing our sin, like God turned away from him yeah. because he can't adequately be in the presence of sin. Um, so like putting to death your sin or like your old life is almost like opening up the door to. I don't, hmm. I feel like I'm like thinking about it too hard. I'm probably overthinking it. But like, if you're, like, even as a Christian, you're still living in sin. Hmm. Just yeah. As a worldly person. Um, this, I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to like get out of here. Yeah, I, I don't know if I understand either, but um, let me try to. Um, so, are you saying that, are you trying to like see why we still struggle with sin even though we are a new creation? Yeah, I mean, I guess that. But I was just, like, we were talking about like putting, stuff to death and like the fact that Jesus carried our sin mm. and God still turned his face away from him because he couldn't be in the 
present to send. Right. And Jesus asked him if... So are you thinking, when I sin, does God turn his face against yeah. me? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Um, the answer is the answer is no, because when Jesus died on the cross, he took he paid for all the sin. He took what we deserved, which is God's like um, God's wrath and God's like just like turning away from us. And so, because Jesus endured the fact, if because Jesus took that upon himself, we will never have to experience that if we trust in Jesus as our Savior. So. Right now, when you sin, God doesn't turn away from you. Mm-hmm. He, he still loves you because you are covered with the righteousness of Jesus. Right. And even if you, and if you didn't know Jesus as your Savior, it's not like, like if I was an unbeliever right now and I was living in sin, God is still pursuing me because right. he's merciful. But if I was to die and never give my life over to Christ, then, yes, I would experience the wrath first. of God. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, does that answer the question? Yeah, it okay. does. I was just thinking about it, and I think I was overthinking it, and then it was confusing me. Yeah, no, that's okay. I think that thinking about those things make us um, appreciate Jesus so much more. Yeah. Because even worse than being crucified, that's painful and awful, and something that like I can't even wrap my mind around, the most painful thing is being separated from God, and he did that for us. And so like, just thinking about that is like really powerful. Yeah. On the same note, if you get far enough away from God... He can mm. choose not to pursue you. He can choose yeah. not to bring you back, right? In Romans, what chapter is this? Nine. Um, it does not, therefore, depend on human desire or effort, but on mm. God's mercy. For Scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens who he wants to harden. Mm. If you remember, when they do all the plagues in Exodus, Exodus? Exodus, yes. Um, Pharaoh's heart is hardened for most mm-hmm. of them. But at the end, mm-hmm. God hardens his heart. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Or one of the other ways. But at one point, God says, okay, no more. You don't get any more chances. You're done. Mm-hmm. So, yes, God is always pursuing us. Mm-hmm. And if we die an unbeliever and we haven't given our lives to God, we do face that wrath. However, God is sovereign. Mm-hmm. He can do whatever he wants. And we say that as Christians, God can do whatever he wants, but he can literally do whatever he wants, including taking away a second chance for someone who has had 80. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think about that a lot too. Mm-hmm. Like I, if, if I just sinned, is God leaving me? Like, is he mm-hmm. turning away from me? But he could choose to. Mm-hmm. Makes you appreciate like, yeah. The fact that he's pursuing you. Yeah. Yeah. Makes you yeah. not like, not gonna mess it up, right? Right. Yeah, and it's it's hard to think about because there are there are people out there that like are Christians their whole life and then fall into like blatant sin and they're unrepentant and you have to wonder are they actually saved? Were they ever actually saved? Mm-hmm. Um, and like the Bible is clear that sometimes the Lord gives us over to our passions and desires. I think that's in Romans too, and it's just I, I think it's supposed to scare us a little bit because we're gonna be we have to be like oh gosh like. I have to keep pursuing Christ. I like the fruit should still be there. Otherwise, you know, I'm like, am I actually saved? Yeah, it's it's a hard thing to wrestle with. But when you know for certain that Jesus is your Savior, it's it's like almost impossible to fall into that. that no, yeah, <laughs> and God's grace and God God is so sovereign, like you said, that like He is able. Philippians one six says that He is 
he is faithful to bring all things to completion, that he began a good work in you and he will bring it to completion. So like, don't worry, am I going to fall away from Jesus? Am I, is he going to turn his back against me? Against me? Like, no, he started a good work in you. Trust that he is sovereign, that he's able to bring it to completion to the day of Jesus Christ. Um, and just focus on, focus on you and his, your relationship with him. Um, but yeah, it's a very good thing to think about. Yeah. Fear the Lord. Great job. Yes. <laughs> Doing it. Yes. Yeah. So the first step in, I, in putting our identity in Christ is giving all that we have to Jesus, which is really just our sin and all the days that we're given on the earth, we say, okay, for the rest of my days, I'm going to live for Jesus. And then the second thing that happens is Jesus gives all that he has to us, to us, which is everything we could ever desire and nothing that we deserve. Um, so he gives us all he is, and then we no longer identify as who we were, but we identify with who he is. So um, we are going to go through just a brief list of things that I found in scripture that we get because we trust in Jesus Christ. Um, let's see here. Um, Julia, can you look at Romans 6, 23? Elise, can you flip to 2 Corinthians 5, 17? Maddie, can you do, Maddie Proctor, can you do 2 Corinthians 5, 21? Um, Maddie Markland, can you do Romans 6, 14? Libby, can you flip to 1 John 3, 2? All right. Julie, are you there? Okay. When you're ready, you can go ahead and read. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Awesome. And then, Elise, whenever you're ready. Which one was it? Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Okay. Um, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Awesome. So the first thing that we get is Jesus' life. So that means that we get eternal life forever and ever with Jesus and God and heaven. Um, we will live forever. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's what, um, that's what Julia read. And then we also get a, we're a new creation. So we get life, life. Like We not only get eternal life, but we are no longer dead in our sin. We, get, um, a new, we are a new being. Um, who did I have read next? Maddie? Yeah. All right. Um, God made me who had no sin to be sin for us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteous of God. Righteousness of God. Awesome. So what does this, what does that verse say about what we get from Jesus? His righteousness. His righteousness. Yeah. We small little sinners get his righteousness. That's insane. Um, so if you trust in Jesus as your Savior, you're seen as righteous before a holy and perfect God. Not because you earned it, but because Jesus paid his way for you. Um, another thing that I put on there is the forgiveness of sins, which kind of goes with righteousness. But not only are we righteous because of Jesus, but we also get our sins forgiven. And Isaiah 1.18 says um, it's God's promise to his people. He says, though your sins are like scarlet, I will wash them white as snow. So our sins leave a filthy stain on us, but because of Jesus, he washes them away. We are no longer stained by our sin, but we are white as snow, um, which is really cool to think about. Um, who, Maddie, could you read Romans six fourteen? For sin will not rule over you, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Awesome. So what does this promise about our life right now as we struggle with sin? 
yeah, yeah, we won't be under it forever. <coughs> what else does it say? Could you read it one more time for us, Maddie? For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law but under grace. Yeah, what else what else does it say about how we as new creations, when we su- when we struggle with sin, what does it say? We'll be given grace. We'll be given grace, yeah. Is the sin our is the sin our ruler? Is it our master? No. Sometimes it feels like sin is our master, but it's not. That's a lie. When you know Jesus, sin is not. Um, sin is not. Um, you're not a slave to sin, so you're fr- free from the bondage of sin. Um, Libby, could you read First John three two? Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not been made has not been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see. Awesome. All right. What does what does that verse say about what we get from Jesus? What happens to us? He's our father. Yeah, we're his children, so we're adopted into a family, um, God's family, which will endure forever and ever. Um, let me read Ephesians one five for you guys real fast. Um, it says, "Let me move this sticky note." Um, In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So when we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are immediately adopted into a family that will never break apart. It will never, it will never end. God is the perfect Heavenly Father, um, and you will never be kicked out of the family. You will ne- there will never be any, um, like when we're in heaven, there will be no more tears or brokenness. So it's an amazing promise that we'll be in this family forever. Um, and then I didn't have anyone read this one, but I, um, let's see, uh, Andrea, do you mind reading First Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24? A lot of different verses today. I can never find First Thessalonians. It's just so little. Yeah. First and Second Thessalonians, I'm like, where are you? <laughs> it's like a total of three pages of my Bible. Yeah. Uh, what was it? First Thessalonians five twenty-three to twenty-four. Twenty-three to twenty-four. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and He will do it. Awesome. What's sanctification? Do you guys know what that is? Yeah, yeah, it happens after we're saved. Yeah. Like kind of a cleaning out of yourself. Yeah. To put it into super, super, super simple terms. Yeah, yeah. It's the growing process. So we're saved, and then from there, we become more and more like Christ, which is the fancy word, sanctification. So when we are, when our identity's in Christ, we can trust that we're becoming more like Him every day because God is working on us always, and we are being transformed into His likeness. Um, another thing that we receive is joy, love, and peace. So these are amazing blessings. Your your life is marked by love. You have a deeply rooted joy, um, even in trials. Um, and the joy it doesn't always look like you're super happy and like giddy, and you know it's it's a deeper joy. Um, it's it's a feeling that can't really be expressed, and then a peace. 
We also get strength because he is the he is most strong. Like he's perfect strength, and he shares that strength with us. So we're able to do things and to go through things that maybe we would never think we could go through, just simply because he is strong. And then finally, we get his presence. So he comes and lives inside of us as the Holy Spirit. So he's always with us. He's always guiding us. And in Matthew 28, he says that he will never leave us. And one day he's coming back to get us. Um, so yeah, these are. this is just a list of some of the things we get in Jesus. So And th the Bible says that these are immeasurable riches. This is far better than anything we could ever buy here on this earth or have here on this earth or even want. Like This is all we could ever want or need, and it's ours in Christ Jesus. Not because we have earned it, but simply because he is willing. And so when you put your identity in Christ, this is what you identify with. You no longer identify with sin and brokenness and emptiness and loneliness and um, whatever else you think identifies you negatively. You identify with Jesus Christ. He becomes your life. Um, so that's why what we say about Jesus is the most important thing about you. So is he your savior? Is he the Lord of your life? Is he just a part of your life? Do you only think about him on Sundays or at coffee and conversations? Or is he like all-encompassing, all you can think about, all you are? You are no longer your name, fill in the blank. You are Jesus. You are Jesus's. You are God's child. You are saved by grace. You are saved by Jesus. Is that your identity? Um, so knowing that he is our identity comes with a few implications, and I just made a few, um, just three major ones, and there are many more, but we'll just go over these three. Um, the first one I have written down for you guys is a firm and humble confidence. So how would knowing Christ as your identity give you a confidence? I think it will give us a confidence about his love for us, hmm. like yeah. knowing that he loves us enough to give us a new identity as opposed to letting us live in sin forever. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We know that we like our identities in something greater. Yeah. That's good. It's also not just greater. It's the best. Mm. It's yeah. the best you could possibly, right? It's, it's the best size you could possibly be. It's the cutest outfit you could possibly, mm. right? All the, whatever the metaphor you use, it's the absolute top of the line, the best. Mm. You can't get any better because you already have the best. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Pretty great. It is, it is like the best. There's nothing that can be better than it. Yeah. yeah. It's supposed to be a humble confidence. I might not have been very humble just now, but. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think it's humble when you realize that it's all like because of Christ, yeah. not because of yourself. Which is funny because humble and confidence don't always like go together, but we get that in Jesus. So how would the confidence of, um, the confidence that Jesus gives us, how is that different than the confidence maybe the world seeks after? Worldly confidence is empty and shallow. Mm, yeah. There's not stock behind it, right? So if your confidence does come only from your outfit, only, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, like, wear your cute leggings and your cute shirt to be confident, because I do that all the time. It's great. But if that's the only place that your confidence comes from, right, if it's not from waking up and thinking, wow, I am a child of mm. God. Like, he calls me his own. Yeah. He has a place for me. He has a seat for me at the table. Like, and then you put on your really cute outfit. You know that's different than putting on your cute outfit and sending it to your friends and yeah. saying, "Look what I'm wearing today." Like, yeah. it the confidence stops there. It yeah. stops with whether or not somebody responds, hmm. and even the same action but rooted in the Lord is permanent. Yeah, that's not going away. Yeah, yeah, hmm. that's really good. Yeah, yeah. So the confidence that we get from Jesus, like Andrea said, perfectly is like far better and 
far, far more satisfying than anything we can try to do, try to get confidence from on this earth. It makes us just talk different and look at ourselves different and act different and find fulfillment in things that are actually going to bring us fulfillment, not things that are just fading away. Um, so number two, the, the, another implication is we have a greater hope. So when we face trials and hardship, we know that something greater is going to happen. We know that um, that this isn't what we what, how it's supposed to be. This is God is gonna He's gonna redeem, and one day there'll be no more tears and brokenness and pain and evil. Um, we have a hope that is far greater, and we know that Jesus holds us in His hands as we walk through life and trials, and promises to give us strength as we walk through them. Um, another thing I wrote down is triumph over sin. We talked about this a little bit. But how can placing your identity in Christ help you when you are struggling with sin? Sin loses. Sin loses. Always. Always. And even if it doesn't lose today hmm. or tomorrow, or even if sin doesn't lose by the end of your life, mm-hmm. it loses in revelation. Yeah. 100%. Hmm. Like, you're already winning. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even if you lose the battle with whatever personal sin, hmm. it, it loses in the end, mm-hmm. eventually. Yeah. Yeah, it's technically already lost because Jesus rose from the grave. Yeah. So, game over. We're just waiting for, like, the, the game to wrap up. Like, you can't mess that up. You can't, yeah. you know, mess it up so bad that hmm. sin takes over. It's already loose. Yeah. It's already done. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Yeah. How does that, like, give you guys, like, fuel to, like, keep fighting sin? Personally, I think it's, a lot of times, I feel like it almost makes it worse. Hmm. Just because, like, knowing, like, oh, well, Jesus already, like, parents are going to rip, like, one more time on the journey. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Huh, yeah. So I know, like, I know in the past that's really been my mindset, and I'm really trying to, like, shift out of it. Um, that's something I still struggle with, but, yeah, I don't, hmm. I don't know. It's always been really hard for me. Yeah. No, that's something I struggle with, too. Yeah. Where I'm, like... I mean, we shouldn't think of it that way, either. Yeah, I know. That's like sin that we're thinking that way too. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like, oh, he already paid the price. So like, what does one more thing do? Yeah. Um, this is random. It wasn't in my notes or anything. But one thing that has really helped me in thinking rightly when it comes to that is, and this is going to sound really like, um, it's just going to sound like really, I don't know, I don't know the words for it. Oh. Blunt, I guess, or bold. Bold, yeah. yeah. Um, thinking mm-hmm. about like every time you participate in that's habitual sin or whatever you're struggling with thinking okay that is another thing that Christ had to die for so literally picturing Christ dying for that sin over and over and over again yeah yes yeah like when when you sin that sin was paid for and so like every time you sin I mean Christ already died for it like it's done the the victory is won but it's something he had to die for again so even if it's like okay I'll just do it one more time still like it's not what he it's not what he wants you to do yeah and I think also like after learning and understanding like exactly what Christ went through mm-hmm. like as he was dying I think that really like helped me picture like wow like like he really like suffered mm-hmm. like willingly yeah and like I don't think he spoke like until like the very last second he met with like yeah right no I I at least in the account, he doesn't say anything. Yeah. I think there's passages in the Old Testament that say, like, silent as a lamb or something like that. So yeah, so it's, like, prophecy, I guess, that he was silent. But, yeah. 
Yeah, it's hard to think about, but it's also good to think about. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for being honest with that thought. I think that that's something that a lot of people think about that they just don't want to say out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you are struggling with a specific sin right now and it's like habitual, you're you're doing it over and over again. You know it's wrong. I just I encourage you to think about the fact that like Christ has already defeated that sin. It's not your master. It's not your slave. Like you're not a slave to the sin. You are a child of God, like Andrea said. You are bought with a price. He's called you to something greater. He's made you a new creation. And so why are you going back to empty empty wells and broken things that he hasn't he hasn't made for you? That's not for you. He's given you something so much better. Um, yeah, you look like you're about to say something, Andrea. I'll say something after that. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, so finally, we also have a calling and a purpose. So there is a purpose to your life. He has a calling for you. Um, what is our purpose and our calling? To share the gospel. The most wonderful news of all. The very, the very core meaning of our life is to just spread the good news that has transformed us. So when you look at your unbelieving friends and family, what do they put their identity in? Everything else. Everything else. People around them, things around them, things that have happened to them, everything. Yeah. Their identity isn't anything other than what they see. Yeah. Yeah, they're just searching for anything to grab onto. Yeah, and sometimes they, I mean, they don't realize it. They don't know that when they are putting all, like if they are just like, my identity is just in what I look like. They don't realize that that's just fading. It's never going to sustain them. Um, so yeah, we can be led by compassion to share our faith because we know that our identity is firm. Our identity is in the Christ. That gives us a confidence, a hope, a calling, a purpose, and that can kind of, that can lead us to share the gospel with them. Um can you guys think of any other things that fully putting our identity in Christ, how that can change your life? Yeah. And you can make it through tough times. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say now. If you guys didn't know, you're in a miscarriage. Baby is not here anymore. Love suicide. Um, but I've been thinking about, and it's why I couldn't read earlier. I've been thinking about this all week. Because I put a lot of stock in being a mom, and it's, I'm going to cry again, it's one of the most wonderful things ever. And but no matter how wonderful it is or how much of a gift it is to be a mom, it's not what my identity should be. It's not what I should define myself as. It's not what I should walk around and say, who are you, Andrea Dalton? I shouldn't just say, I'm a mom, right? My first thought should be, I'm a child. I'm loved by the Lord, you know. And so it's not just sin that gets in the way. It's it's what mm-hmm. we just said. It's things around you. It's things that happen to you. And so I've been thinking all week about making sure I'm in the right headspace for this. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that I've been going over and over, not putting. And this is so weird to say because it's a baby. It's a baby that I don't get to hold. And thinking about it like this is so hard, but it's good. Like, thinking... The passage I was going to read, we're not supposed to put stock in earthly things. Mm-hmm. And as much as a, as, as it's weird to think about this, a baby on earth is an earthly thing. And I've been thinking about all week, making sure that my heart with this and my recovery, whatever, is in the Lord, mm-hmm. right? I go through all the emotions every day from... 
Lord, this is such a blessing that, you know, you've asked me to walk through this, right? Mm -hmm. Because in James, it talks about consider it joy when you go through trials because it produces perseverance, which produces faith. Like, I have this amazing opportunity to grow my faith with the Lord through something awful, sure, right? But then if my identity isn't there, it's going to be on the other end, and it's going to be awful. It's going to be thinking all of the awful things you think when you go through something hard. Not just this, the things that you've been through in your life that are hard, right? And I don't know. I haven't been a bucket of sadness all week. And I think partly that's attributed to just the sheer amount of people that know so far and are praying for us and just surrounding us with the comfort of the Lord. But also because I am fighting and it's a fight. It, this isn't a passive thing, right? You choose your identity when you wake up every morning. It's, and part of it is because I am fighting to make sure that my identity with this whole thing is in the Lord. That it's still, I'm a child of God. Like Losing a baby doesn't define me, right? It doesn't make me a bad mom. But being a mom shouldn't define everything that I am. It should be being a child of God. And I'm not saying, like, here's my sob story. Take it home and, you know, whatever. But, like been thinking about this all week in bigger terms than like putting my stock in social media or putting my stock in whatever and it is so so comforting everything that Riley has said today it's so comforting to know that the Lord is in charge of this all Mm. the Lord is my identity or he should be right that's what I fight for every day and it's not easy and it doesn't always stick and so hopefully you're not sitting there like oh my gosh my identity is so far from Christ this Mm. is terrible because it's a fight and it's a choice that you make every day to be identified through Christ. Mm-hmm. I've just been thinking about it all week because I don't want to think about this in the wrong way. I know that it's okay to grieve and be mm-hmm. sad and done plenty of that, but thinking about moving forward with God. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't just apply to this, it applies to everything else. <laughs> I yeah, thank you. You put into better words than I ever could. Yeah, and I admire you so much for <laughs> like being here this morning and to like share that. Thank you. Yeah, I. Yeah, everything Andrea said. I I think that when we walk through trials we realize it, it, it becomes deeper. Like your identity with Christ is, it's so much more real now. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, anytime you go through something big, right? Even big stuff, trauma, whatever, is all relative to your life, right? So any big thing that you have been through in your life, even if it isn't as big as a miscarriage or something huge, like in the grand scheme of culture, mm-hmm. something that was big in your life, right? When I was in high school, I was 22nd on like the list, right? So I wasn't top 20, I was 22. And I knew for a fact that two people ahead of me had cheated hmm. so many times to get there. And that, for me, was huge. That was a gigantic bucket of awful. Does hmm. anybody care now? Mm-hmm. Does anybody know now? No. It doesn't matter at all. But at the time, it was huge. So whatever big stuff like that is in your life, what Riley's saying is true. You go through it, and you know your identity with the Lord deepens every time, even if it's something as simple as hmm. a transcript, <laughs> you know? Hmm. Like... Big stuff is just another step closer to the Lord, or it mm-hmm. should be, or it's another chance to be closer to the Lord. And obviously, some of the big stuff we go through 
we get farther from the Lord. Um, but that's why he gives us more as we mm. get closer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's so hard to think of like what you said about how you are trying to praise the Lord for like allowing you to walk through this. Like just so weird. So different than what the world would say. But like it gives you like a like there's a there's a hope there. There's a yeah. like a greater purpose there. Right. And even like this right now, like you're able to help people see like yeah. how deep the identity goes, how deep it, it means to trust in Jesus as your savior and as your Lord. Yeah. Like like that like he's using something that is so awful and like not the way it's supposed to be at all. Like it's not the way it's supposed to be, you know? And he's he's taking it and doing something with it. And it's so hard to think that way, right? Because on one hand it's awful. Yeah. Right? And it's soul crushing and mind numbing and horrible to think about. Right? Thanksgiving, guaranteed gonna be the roughest holiday for me this year because the day after Thanksgiving was baby's due date. Right. You know? Yeah. But just thinking about all the things that the Lord has done for us in this situation, babies that, that you lose this early usually are due to a chromosomal issue, mm-hmm. meaning, you know, parts from mom and dad either didn't have enough or had too much DNA material. If a baby had formed with that, it wouldn't have been viable outside the land. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been able to survive. Right. Right? And that's not counting things like Down syndrome, Down syndrome or, mm-hmm. you know, things that have a different... Right? That is viable life. They live lives and they learn and they love. Babies mm-hmm. that we lose now, they wouldn't have had... They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have lived at all. Yeah. So part of it, it, it's a good thing, right? It's a good thing that the Lord made our bodies to be able to recognize those things and handle them mm. sooner, mm. right? And it's a good thing that he made our bodies to be able to get it out. Like, it's so weird to think about this as, wow, the Lord's sovereign over even the human body. Mm. How wonderful that the Lord put these, like, it's so hard to think those things, but as, right, when you really dissect any difficult stuff, right, if I'm looking at my transcript, I'm like, you know what, 22, this is terrible, everything is awful. If I'm looking at why am I 22nd? right? It's because I spent most of my mornings with the Lord. Mm-hmm. I didn't spend my mornings studying. I didn't spend them going to study groups. I didn't spend them doing other things, right? I spent a lot of my time with the Lord in high school. I spent a lot, right? And so I was like, you know what? That was the price for me, and that's okay, yeah. you know? And it's it's really weird, but when you're a Christian, you can look at big stuff, hard stuff, mm-hmm. and place your identity about it in the Lord. Yeah. Hmm. I, I don't know. Give me a little sermon out here. Sorry, I've been thinking about it all week. <laughs> That's good. But. Yeah, no. I, I think that the the Lord just is speaking through you. Hopefully, because if not, I'm just rambling. No, I'm probably sick of it. And I don't want to go into another sermon, but another thing I've been thinking about, just like your situation, is like that passage in... Um, for Samuel where um, David loses his baby and he says I will not they will not return to me but I will go to him like yeah. how great is it that we have a that God so who says wonderful. I take care of the little ones like they're yeah. they're with me like little baby's gonna be sitting at the table when we get there don't say that yeah like but like what other way do you look at big stuff like this how how would you not process like even with something as simple as a transcript like what a blessing it is that we have such an amazing God. The 
that we can put our whole identity in him. Not just Andrea Dalton loves Jesus. Yeah. Like, Jesus. Hmm. All of me is Jesus. Everything yeah. I am, everything I have, everything I'm going to be, all of it. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, how special is that? And I know I keep saying this, but like yeah. when we talk about these other religions, I just cry for them because they don't have this. The people in our lives that don't believe don't have this. They couldn't sit in this room and cry because of how wonderful the Lord is being through any of the bad things that we're going through. You know? Like, identity in Christ is not just Christianese. It's not just, yeah. put your identity. It's a whole big deal of mm. life-changing foundation in something that's worth it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes so much, so much deeper than we could ever imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry, now you all have two things. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but it, it's, it's so good to think about. Yeah. And to do this process. Like, but, faith, faith should be this. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't just be cute verse on a pillow, cute verse on a cup, cute sticker on my wallet. Oh, like, yeah. it doesn't stop there. It should, no, it's it should, so much better than it that. Be, it should be this. And I'm. Sorry, but I'm also very not sorry. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> this, yeah, that was so, was so good. And, yeah, don't stop telling people. <laughs> I'm not sure my nervous rambling could stop if I wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I wish I could talk like that when I am nervous. <laughs> All right, well, I have nothing else to say. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, don't so apologize. It was so good. <laughs> I feel just like like on fire I just want to yeah all right well let me pray for us um lord I just thank you so much for today god I thank you for these wonderful women um and lord I thank you for Andrea um I just want to take a moment and just pray over her and David lord I don't understand what they're what they're feeling what they're walking through god but I know that you do because you know us through and through, and I just pray that you surround them right now with your comfort and your joy. Um, Lord, would you just um, surround them with people who care for them and can pour their lives into them, and God, I just pray for Andrea that what she's shared with us today, God, that that would just be a firm truth in her heart, that she would not forget about it, God, that um, when when the day gets really tough and um, that she would just cling to that hope, that greater hope that we have in you, um, that she would put her identity in you and know that you are sovereign and that you are God. Um, and would you just be with them as they walk through this? And God, I just pray for all of us. Would we just take what we learned today and would it become so real to us that our identity is in you, that we are not our own, um, that we are no longer um, who we used to be. We're not even ourselves. We belong to you. We're a child of God. That is who we are. That's what we identify with. Would you help us choose that every day? Um, to put to death what you've called us away from and to put on what you've called us to, which is so much better than we could ever imagine. Um, God, would you just be with us? Would you remind us when we forget? And would you just help us love you more? In your name I pray. Amen. Everybody's cheeks dry?